Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. <coughs> Pardon me. And he looked, and out of the midst of a bush, and behold, excuse me, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. Can you imagine that? All of a sudden, the bush, it's burning, but it's not burning. Now you hear your name calling from that bush. And he said, here am I. And he said, draw not nigh thither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet. For the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And Moses said, verse 13, verse 13 now, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thou shalt, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Heavenly Father, thank you for all that we've already heard in this meeting. And I pray that you would help us to be able to focus on a few things tonight from this book of the Bible, Exodus chapter 3, this particular event and, and be thankful for the being, you being a God of second and even beyond that chances. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as we think about God using us, God doesn't need me, by the way. God doesn't need you. But yet he chooses to work through me. He chooses to work through you. That's a very humbling thought any, any way you slice it, so to speak, that God would equip us to labor for God. Think about it. That God would equip me to serve Him. I mean, God is holy. God is perfect. And I am neither one of those two things. And yet God wants us, and God desires for us to be a part of His work. We are the hands of God. We are the feet of God. We are the voice of God. Even my, my good friend who's with us tonight, Brother Kurt, he doesn't have much use of his hands. He doesn't have much use of his feet. But this young, this young man, he's not much younger than me. But anyway, this young man has encouraged me many times with an email the point is, there's no excuse big enough that we can give God to say, well, I can't do anything. That's not true. All of us recognize 
failures in our life. All of us recognize areas where we have fallen short. But it's not about you and it's not about me and how powerful we are. But it's remembering and reminding ourselves of, we talked about God's grace in the five o'clock hour, but also the greatness of God. The greatness of God. We learn from Moses' life that God is the God of a second chance. Last week we learned about how Moses was spared from being killed. Do you remember that miraculous story? Moses was spared from being killed because of the faith of his mother. Putting him in a little ark and putting him in a alligator snake infested Nile River. We can't go back and tell that whole story, but that was last, that was last Sunday night. Now Moses is a, is a bit older. In Exodus 3, Moses is a bit older. Moses is no longer in Egypt. Moses right now is literally a fugitive. He's a fugitive in Mount Sinai, at Mount Sinai. He is on the backside of the desert. Maybe you've been to a place similar to that, where not much is growing, you know. Not much life, at least. But this is where he is. We might even say that Moses is on the run. And yet, God speaks to Moses at this crucial time. How did Moses end up where he's at right here in Exodus chapter 3? Well, the first thing we see, not number one in the outline, but just kind of in the introduction, is, and we're probably going to need a couple weeks on this lesson, and that's fine, Moses identifies with his people. So Moses had an opportunity to, um, he grew up in Pharaoh's house, if you will. He grew up in Pharaoh's palace. He grew up in Pharaoh's court. He grew up with wealth, okay? He grew up having everything that he could ever need. And yet, instead of staying there, he chose to identify with his own people. Okay, hold your finger in Exodus chapter 3, and let's go back to the New Testament book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. And verse number 24. Hebrews eleven twenty-four. By faith Moses, when he, was called, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You see the first word of chapter, uh, verse 25? Choosing. Choosing. Kind of like what some of the teenagers were talking about. There's a choice. Yes to God or no to God. We have that free will. Moses made a choice. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So that's the first thing. Moses made a choice to be with the Israelites, if you will, instead of continuing to grow up within 
Pharaoh's house. Secondly, and this one is not a good thing, but secondly, again, this isn't, this is kind of the pre-outline, if you will. Moses murders an Egyptian taskmaster. Taskmaster. Let's look at, uh, at Exodus chapter 2. We're, we're, what we're doing is, we're now going back a little bit, and we're seeing how did Moses get to the backside of the desert? First, he chose to identify with his people. Secondly, though, he made a really bad choice. He committed murder. That's never a good thing. Look at verse number 11 of chapter 2. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens. And he spied an Egyptian smiting in Hebrew, one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that way. Isn't that how we are? Let me see if anybody's looking. You know, that sounds like a kid in the kitchen wanting to get a cookie. Is dad looking? Is mom looking? But really, that, that is a childish thing, and, and we're all guilty of that, I would say, from time to time. And he looked this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no man, that's the key, right? Only thing was, God was looking. No man was looking, but God was looking. He slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. So this is another step in getting Moses to the back of the Sinai Desert. Thirdly, Moses has to flee Egypt. Because as soon as Pharaoh finds out about this, it's not good. Look at verse 15 of chapter 2. Now when Pharaoh heard this, thing he sought to slay Moses he wanted to kill him but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian and he sat down by a well so nextly Moses leaves Egypt nextly Moses goes to the land of Midian and that's where he settles himself he comes to a well and at that well he helps seven different ladies. They were all sisters and all daughters of the same man, obviously, named Jethro. Moses helps them by watering their flocks. So he's kind of on this kind of this roller coaster, right? He says, "Okay, I'm going to I don't want to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter anymore. I want to go back to, I want to be associated with my people. But then anger, like we just heard from, uh, from Jacob, right? Anger gets the best of him. And he sees an Egyptian kind of picking on or fighting whatever with an with a, uh, Israelite. And he decides to take matters into his own hands. He should not have done that. And he kills the uh, Egyptian. Pharaoh hears about it. He heads, to Mid he heads out of Egypt and goes to Midian. And while he's there... Obviously, this is a good thing again. He helps these seven sisters to water their flocks. Look at uh, verse 21 of chapter 2. <clears throat> and Moses was content to dwell with the man. That's Jethro. And he gave Moses Zipporah. So this is now Moses' wife. So he finds a wife there too. When we come to chapter 3, 
It has been 40 years. Think about what happens in your life in 40 years. 40 years has gone by from the time he left after killing the Egyptian, and now he's in Midian. That's 40 years. Four decades have gone by. I wonder what Moses thought about every day. You know, how did I get here? That's what I would think, right? You know, I had it so good. I mean, think about it, you know. I had the best of the best. What am I doing here? 40 years. Maybe he thought, this is going to be my life forever. I'm just going to stay here in Midian and I'm going to be a shepherd or a herdsman and that, that's just going to be it. We don't really have all that in the Bible, but you have to wonder. We're not talking about four weeks or five years. We're talking about a big chunk of life. But God had not forgotten about Moses. God was not finished with Moses. Moses had been schooled with the world's education in Egypt, Acts 7.22. You can write that down. But now for 40 years, Moses has been in a different kind of school. In the notes, it calls it the Midian Desert Bible College. <laughs> That's funny, isn't it? The Midian Desert Bible College. Not four years of Bible college, but 40 years. How about that, Emma? 40 years of Bible college. No, she says, okay. <laughs> she has one done, all right? In the early days of golf, if you're a golfer, this will be a blessing, maybe. Anyway, golf balls were completely smooth. I didn't know that. However, golf players and manufacturers soon discovered that the slick balls, the smooth ball, didn't travel very far or very accurately. They studied and researched the aerodynamics of the little white ball, in various colors now, but anyway, the companies began to put dimples <clears throat> in the balls. These are dimples different from your smile, okay? These dimples in the ball helped give better speed, distance, and accuracy. I guess we could say that God had, in his sovereignty, allowed dimples in Moses' life. Trials that would allow him to go further and straighter for God later on. Now, what was happening with the nation of Israel while Moses was in Midian Desert Bible College? What was happening? Well, let's see. Look at chapter 2 and verse 23. Exodus 2. And it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of their bondage and they cried and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage and God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. It was not an easy time. And so God 
bringing Moses in a miraculous way uh, to let him live in this Nile River for a period of time. And then even though Moses is not necessarily using discernment and wisdom, yet God wasn't giving up on him, just like God hasn't given up on us tonight. So we don't look at Moses and say, well, I've never done that. That's not the point. The point is God can take anyone, regardless of a past, whatever it might be, and being yielded to God, God can do something special with our life that He can only get the glory for. That may take some time, as we see in his life. But God had spared Moses with a great purpose in mind. And so, what we find in this text, and we're going to maybe just get one point done tonight, but we'll try to get one done. What we don't see is this. We don't see that man was the deliverer of the people. God was the deliverer of the people. God is the deliverer in my life. God is the deliverer in your life. He can choose whoever, whatever. We've all messed up time and time again, and yet God has the patience and long-suffering with me and with you. That we can accomplish something that would bring him glory. It's not accomplishing something so that we can have somebody pat us on the back. Great job, great job. No, we're trying to accomplish something in this three score and ten. That's 70 years and possibly bonus ten, which would be 80 years. We're trying to do something for the glory of God that only he can get the praise for. That's what makes life worth living. It's not about collecting toys. It's about yielding my life to the Lord. And as these young people said, it's about saying yes and not no. So let's look at number one. Number one, the communication of God. What an amazing way God communicated. <clears throat> the communication of God. God appeared to Moses in an unusual and miraculous way, and we read about that earlier. <clears throat> Verses 1 and 2, we won't read it again, but he comes to him in the midst of this bush. Letter A, we see a manifestation. A manifestation. Notice what it says in verse number two. The angel of the Lord. Maybe you want to underline that in your notes or maybe you want to underline that in your Bible. Who was the angel of the Lord? It was not Gabriel who came and visited many other people. I believe that this angel of the Lord refers to this, this uh, theological term that we call a theophany. A theophany, T-H-E-O-P-H-A-N-Y. A theophany. What is this? This is a physical appearance of Jesus prior to his earthly ministry. This was Jesus himself 
in this bush by way of voice, okay? He did not look in the bush and see Jesus. He saw, he heard a voice, though. The angel of the Lord. I find it interesting as well that it talks about the closeness of it. Do you notice that? And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned. So I, I imagine this bush uh, was obviously within close enough proximity that, that he could hear him, him speaking, but also that he could see that it was burning but not being burnt up. This shows us that God is a personal God. He's not distant. He makes himself known. He makes himself near to us. But why does God choose to reveal himself in this really amazing, extraordinary way? Burning, but not being consumed. The burning bush obviously shows the glory of God. It also shows the power of God. To be able to have something burn, but not burn up, shows his power. It's a display of his attributes. Let's look at a verse in Job. If you have your Bible, let's go to Job 9. Job 9. In our Bible, we find many times, we'll just look at two, but it talking about the greatness of God. You know, I want to just encourage us to ask God to give us eyes that can see the greatness of God. It doesn't have to be like this. We don't have to be driving down the road and pull over and we see this bush on fire. So right now we're going to pull over and try to put that fire out. And we have a bottle of water and we pour it on top of that bush for the Reuben, but it doesn't stop burning. It just talks, then it talks to us. It doesn't have to be quite like that. I can tell you this, God is still great, and God is still working in very visible ways in all of our life. We just have to say, God, give me eyes to see what you're doing. He is doing great things. He is doing mighty things that are not explainable. I have to share this with you, to God's glory. I'm driving home today. I said earlier I was listening to um, unshackled on the radio. That program ended, and right at about the time it ended, about ten minutes or five or ten minutes from home, my phone rang, and it said, "You know, no caller ID." I don't normally take those calls. Sorry if that's how you have your phone set up. Forgive me, but I'll have to call you back when you leave a voicemail. But it was just something the Lord said. Remember, you had some, I won't give a name, but I don't want to embarrass him, but two weeks ago, somebody called me on a Sunday and I didn't write down their number. I thought I had it and it was their old number. Anyway, I couldn't call them back. I thought maybe it's that person. In a split second, I was going to let the call go. In a split second, I said, I need to answer this call. It was that person calling me back. Praise the Lord. And I apologized. And I said, I'm really sorry. And this person started talking to me a little bit about life and his life. And then he said this, and he bought your, I mean, this is Scout's honor. He said, hey, Pastor Turner, he said, 
What can you tell me about this devourer in the Bible? I just spent 45 minutes preaching about the devourer. And it was like God, it was just unbelievable. And I said, I said his name, I said, you're not going to believe this. But I said, I'll send you the link when we're done. But we just took the whole preaching time this morning and we talked about our enemy, Satan, who is the devourer, by the way, in the Bible. And I said, I really hope this will help you. I'm just saying, God does that kind of stuff. I can't do that. I was supposed to talk to him two weeks ago, but God made me delete that, I guess. God made me delete the number, and I couldn't talk to him two weeks ago, and God, he had to wait two weeks to talk to me today, I guess. I don't know. However else you can explain it, I can't explain it. Anything other than to say, that's how God works in unbelievable ways. We have a big God. Who's great and mighty, but he's not so big that we can't have a relationship with him, by the way. So a manifestation, oh, Job 9, <laughs> let's get to the Bible here, I lost my, Job 9, 10, which doeth great things past finding out, you know what that says, can't figure it out, I can't believe God did that, that's amazing, yay, and wonders without number, Think about that. You can't count all the wonders of our God. You can't count all the mighty things that God can do and will do, not just for the church, for you. God is not just for Anchor Baptist Church. God is for you. God is good. Oh, praise God for His Word. May we praise Him as we see Him do wondrous things for us. May we praise Him as He manifests His presence to us in a church. We're not talking about spooky stuff. We're talking about real stuff. God manifests Himself through His Word. May we praise Him. We're not focusing on the feeling, alright? We're focusing on the Savior, our Father. Because there's going to be days when you don't feel it. That doesn't mean God isn't any more powerful than when you do feel it. Don't forget that. Focus on the message of the Word and focus on the one who gave us the message. So, a manifestation. Nextly, a message. Speaking of a message. The message from God in this bush was an invitation. All right? Exodus chapter 3. It began with an invitation. Did you catch that? And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the bush, and it did not burn. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, verse 4, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here am I. God summoned Moses to come. Just as today, He calls us to come to Him. 
He calls us to serve Him. He calls us to, to, to live for Him. He has a message for you. He has a message for me. He has a message for all. He says, if you will draw nigh to me, if you will draw near to me, it's in James 4, 8, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. I'm glad that God is not playing chase. I don't think I could catch him. <laughs> but he's saying, if you come close to me, if you draw near to me, I'm going to draw near to you. Now there's a process within that. Look at verse 8 of James 4. Cleanse your hands. So we don't want to draw near to God with dirty hands. Got to clean our hands. Because God is holy. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Notice what he says in verse 5. And he said, draw not nigh hither. He said, hang on, before you come any further, take your shoes off. And some of us said, hallelujah, take your shoes off. That's a good thing. Get comfortable. That's not why he was saying them. He said, put off thy shoes, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Holy ground. That is the first attribute that God revealed to Moses after he had his attention. The first attribute was his holiness. His holiness. We just read that in chapter 3 and verse 5. God told Moses, you cannot come any closer until you take your shoes off. Think about it. This is the very presence of God. Moses is in the very presence of God. And as we can go into the presence of God today, do you know that? Do you know that as a Christian, you can go into the presence of God through Jesus Christ? You have access to the throne of God. We just talked about it this, this, at 5 o'clock. That we can enter boldly into the throne of God. But we should not go into the throne of God without recognizing God's holiness without recognizing what this means. This isn't just any kind of meeting, but it's available. It's not something that we can only go to. We have to go to church so we can have the presence of God. No, that's not true. Yeah, the presence of God is available wherever we are. We serve a God who is high and lifted up and holy. He's given us a holy book, the Bible, so that we can live a holy life. Not a holier-than-thou life, but a holy life. I may be imperfect, but He is perfect. The second thing that He points out to him is not only His holiness, but His immutability. Notice in verse 6, Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. God says, I'm still the same God. Immutability means unchanging. And that's one of God's attributes. It's one of God's attributes that is impossible for us to have. 
that God is unchanging. He's reminding Moses, I am the same God that your father worshipped. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ said, I am the same. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. God made a way. I don't want to, I'm going to close with this passage. Hebrews 10, let's go there and this is where we're going to close. <clears throat> Thank you for listening. We're, we're getting done at just about the same time as we normally do. We'll try to pick this up next week. Thank you for just being able to listen as best as possible. A little bit warm. Hebrews 10, 19. This is what we talked about a minute ago. Having, therefore, brethren, boldness to enter where? Into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. This is the same thing as Moses on the desert. No difference. Having uh, by a new and living way. We don't have to go through the high priest. We don't have to go through the pastor. Okay, we don't have any phone booths here for you to enter into and talk to me about your sin. That's not in the Bible. You don't have to do that. You can go to God in a new and living way. In the Old Testament, they had to go through the priest. Which He hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, His flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God. Here's another one of those salad verses. We gave a salad verse in 5 o'clock. Here's another salad verse. Let us. Isn't that great? To, can you translate that for me? <laughs> Let us. No, I know. Let us draw near with true heart in full assurance of faith. He's saying, let us draw near to God with His faith, with assurance, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We have that same privilege any time, any day to go into the presence of Almighty God. This is God meeting with Moses who is on the run. He's in the Midian Desert Bible College and yet God is speaking to him. And I want to encourage you tonight, what is it that God is speaking to us about? It's time we listen. Okay, God, I'm listening. Don't rush, but be willing to listen. 